You're listening to Force Fed Digital. BXU Heard. You guys ready for another episode? The squad. Okay, what's good, man? This is your boy Kingsbridge Rich. This is a My Bronx Story podcast. Another episode. Today's episode is called Spooky Shit. So we're gonna go through some Bronx tales of spooky Bronx shit. As if the Bronx is not spooky enough, right? With all the zombies we got going around now and fentanyl. Not to take lighter situations that are serious, but damn it, it looked like a thriller video out there. Anyway, we're going to talk about other spooky shit, some experiences I've had going as far back in the 80s, so I'm digging back in the archives. But anyway, before I start, I just have to always thank y'all, the supporters, all the peoples who've been um, showing love and everything. There you go. That's one time for y'all. I just want to thank y'all, man, for all the support. You guys continue to follow me on my socials, IG and TikTok. Keep showing the love, and um, I appreciate it. But uh, subscribe to this podcast, catch me, binge. You can binge me now, actually, because I have a lot of episodes stacked up. So if that's your thing and you don't like to follow because it's, you know, you have that type of anxiety like I do, like I can't watch a show unless I got a few backed up, I take a weekend, then I'm I'm bingeable now. So episode eight, anyway, holla at your boy. So we're going to start off with some nostalgia. I got some memories. Not all of them are great. Some of them are fun. Some of them are really uncomfortable. So yeah, I think I um I think I gotta start off on, on a good note though. Anybody remembers throwing eggs? I don't know if there was any significance with eggs, but I enjoyed throwing eggs. And I'm gonna show you the pettiness, right? We've yo, like when you threw eggs, it was cause you went trooping with somebody. You wasn't just like one or two kids and you grab eggs. That's not fun. It, like it's like 10 people with the bad idea of getting eggs and throwing them at cars, throwing them at other people. We used to we used to line up a good distance away, like an arm's throw distance away, and throw them at the people going to the church. Because the church building, they always had this like Halloween event stuff. So we started doing that. That was bad, but it was fun. So I'm starting with a fun one. I said I started on a good note. That's a good note. It was fun. It was fun. But I um I think the worst though is that like that didn't stop because as an adult, as an adult, me and two other friends one time, we went to, so you know in the Bronx, the bodegas, every, across the street, everywhere there's a bodega. Up every corner and in between the intersections, that's where you find your bodegas. All throughout the Bronx. I, I wish I had the data how many bodegas are out there. Anyway, we cleared out four of them on Kingsbridge and Morris, the ones over there, of their eggs. We bought 33 dozens of eggs and this is like, you know, we adults, actually. <laughs> this is so I had to take it back and then give you the fast forward version. And yeah, it was a nostalgic moment for us. And we were like, yo, you know what would be funny? And just like it did when we was younger, you know, a, a bad plan turned fun, exciting plan was, you know what would be cool? And we chipped in and whatever it cost for all those eggs, we bought them. We went upstairs to the roof of my building and it took us no more than two minutes we were just shaking off the dozens like that off the ledge. We were throwing them across the whole thing. If it was a hot summer, if it was a hot summer day the next day, because you know the East Coast weather's ass for Halloween. If it, we would have had omelet all through Kingsbridge, but like I said, on the East Coast, 
Halloween weather is ass, and I gotta move into that one next. Halloween weather in the you can't enjoy your outfit. You can't like it's always a bubble coat over a, a, a ninja turtle. You can't see his shell now. You're like, what happened, kid? You came from school. You didn't drop your book bag off. Like, that's how important this candy is for you. You understand? Like, it's crazy. You it's so buns. Like Halloween, Halloween on the East Coast in New York is ass. Everything is a coat over something. It's a cold zombie. Why are zombies walking around cold? You understand? Like, was you buried? Was you buried or you know murdered? with that jacket on, like it just, it's never, it just doesn't end that way ever, ever. You're never with a jacket. So it's not believable if you're anything dead. Anyway, ran over on that. East Coast weather, Halloween is ass. But what else was ass was the costumes that we wore and the construction of them in the 80s. Those things are hazardous materials. You know now when you open up that plastic and it has the printing on it, hazardous, and it was cheap. And those, like, what is that material? Was it vinyl? Was it, right? It was just, so I can remember the wrestling ones. I can smell it just thinking about it. For some reason right now, as I thought about it, I smelt it. And you know what I, I look, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint it for you right now. Not only do you smell it, but that plastic mask and the static that went around your face when you put it around your face, I just took you there, right? I took you there. The static you feel against your hair when that mask went, and then the little thread elastic and how cheap that was. How many of us got smacked because we broke our, it wasn't our fault. It wasn't our fault. But if so many of us got that memory of getting smacked, that's trauma. We, we traumatize. And what they'll do, they'll try to finesse the staple on the side <laughs> to leave it loose enough but tight enough to make a little knot. And now, the thing is offsides. It's not manufacturer setting. So you're burning or you're ripping a, a thing in your ear. Now you have exposed flesh because this thing is going zzz, 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 on your ear, that little string. You know what I mean? It's lopsided a little bit. So it's putting more wear and tear on your right one. You're crying. <laughs> I'm crying telling this story because I think I'm traumatized. <laughs> right? That thing will rip. It will crunch. God forbid you sat on it. Oh my God, yes, ah, I can smell that mask right now. I can, that was, it was terrible. It was terrible. But yeah, but what we did with those nasty, <laughs> what we did with those hot ass costumes, man, we had a coat over it. We never knew if it was gonna snow, if it was gonna rain, but what we had to do, we most of us didn't have family members that had cars, but we found our way to Throg's Neck or Morris Park or Riverdale, or the good areas. <laughs> we gotta keep our composure. Our parents gotta smack a sense into us. <laughs> Cause we ain't got no, we, we got hood etiquette. <laughs> we speak out loud what our thoughts are. We thought that that's okay, right? We, we're just expressing. We didn't know there's wrong things to, to not say. And those are the giveaways to our poverty. <laughs> so here we go in the, in, the, in the nice neighborhoods with our cheap suits. <laughs> Trying our very best with coats on, Oh man, it's terrible, man. But we went, we we sure did hit those good neighborhoods. Cause otherwise we'll get the bad candy or no candy. I think the hood has bankers and car salesmen a lot and they're good at it because those are the kids that stood around for the rejection of Halloween. Ooh, 
insert philosophical sound effect there. Now I'm gonna break it down. These are hard thoughts, but break it down. Those kids endured rejection because their parents couldn't take them out the hood to trick or treat Halloween. They went around to neighbor's house, knocks and got something. The ones at home got no I trick or three. No, I, and all his variations of, of being said, any, any type from Puerto Rican, no eye candy, with an eye, no, no trico three, right? And you knock, and you knock, and you knock, and rejection, and guess what? That kid becomes the best cold caller in America. That kid becomes that guy that works at Chase Bank with the suit that comes out the cubicle. Right, that guy becomes the guy and the car salesman. Like that, that he's like, he goes to the back and crunch numbers. He don't even got to be in the floor no more. He put in his work. That kid got muscle memory. He learned all that rejection in the hood. And that kid is always dip. He got girlfriends because by that time he already had game. So by the time it was money involved, he was old enough. He already had a girlfriend, a nice Lexus. You know what I mean? Learned the credit game. That's his mo. Halloween. Thanks to Halloween. There you go. That's that's my conspiracy theory for the day. Anyway, enough on that. You know what really used to be good for Halloween for me? So candies in the good neighborhoods is what we went, you know, we went out the way to get the good candies because otherwise we'd be with those little bubble gums that like you chew them twice. <laughs> they had the little comic in the inside. Remember those in the 80s? It had the little comic, you unfold it. Man hard, your jaw, you, that, we looked angry. We looked like pit bulls on a chew toy. Just And it loses fit. It was orange, I think it was. Ooh, look at the face. I know that you guys remember because I could see it in your faces, the disgust. But what was better for me than, of course, not the bad candy, the good candy, them certificates for McDonald's ice cream, fudge or caramel. Y'all remember that? Or you can get an ice cream uh, scoop, right? A cone, a soft serve or something like that, right? Ah, oh, those, I, yo, that to me, I'll collect those. Those would be good for me. Or maybe sometimes you got the, cause those coupons came in booklets. So what happened was the well-off people, I didn't know how it worked. I, I used to think like, how, who makes like McDonald's dollars? <laughs> Why? Like, well, this is circulated in currency and I just had to, somebody, like, you know, somebody dropped it in my bucket, but where it came, I didn't put two and two together. I wasn't thinking like an adult. I didn't know that like somebody thought of a bunch of like poor kids and went and said, hey, let me get a whole booklet because I need to bless a bunch of kids who are poor and gonna knock on my door soon. <laughs> and I'm poor, I'm on the other side of that story. Oh man, but yeah, man, I, um, I think the worst costume that I ever had wasn't even those bad costumes. And this is as an adult too. And it's just more because it was in bad taste. And I'm gonna admit it here, but it's, it's really bad, I, I don't know. <clears throat> All right, so. How about if I get famous one day, though? I'm gonna think, I'm gonna think out loud with everybody. Cause like, if it gets really bad, then this will be a sound bite. All right, so whatever age I was when 9-11 happened, it was September. October, I go home and I take foil. I take the rolls from the toilet tissue. Conveniently, five were gone. I don't know what I did with the paper, but I didn't use the bathroom that much. But I used those toilet rolls, right? I took an alarm clock and I, I took it out so that the wire could be exposed. And then I took a green army, because I was always into like army fatigue. So I put, <laughs> I had a whole pants and jacket, whole nine. My mom used to have the scarves that they would wear, you know, like smelling like stale weed and, and bad perfume. Like every, you know, our Latina moms, they, you know the scarf, the black and white scarf. They all had it, boom, with the little flequitos on the side, whatever. So I, I wrapped that joint around my head. <laughs> I put a fake beard thing, and whenever I saw the cops rolling by, 
I will flash my, um, I'll open the jacket up and expose the whole thing. And the alarm clock is there with the rose, with the aluminum foil that I put, with the wire going in this. And like their facial expressions. Yeah, I was I was a jerk. That was stupid of me. I like, But I'll be honest, I came to my senses like at that moment because I saw the way the cops were looking at me. And I did experience guilt and shame. I'm just going to say it now. This, I'm not even boasting about the story, but I be telling it. So this is, this, ain't that my job? That's what I'm supposed to be doing, right? So um, yeah, man, that was a bad, but I didn't have any consequences other than my guilt, but it was, it was a terrible despair to have. So on that note, please forgive me. And I'll move on, guys, because I got some spooky stories that I want to share. And there's levels to it, but I don't know. Because sometimes with spookiness, like, there's that gray area, which I think spookiness is a gray area. There's what science can explain. There's what religion claims. And then there's the, but how about this? And we're always trying to figure it out, and we're always trying to call something something. So in these stories, maybe we can find something spooky. Maybe you guys could be the judge. On, on on spooky experiences in my life. So this is the spooky shit episode, episode eight of my Bronx story. So one time in the 80s, I was playing with my friends. You know, we have these street games that we play on the block. This is Nelson Avenue and Highbridge on 165th Street. So we was there about 1985, 86. A lot of uh, Cubans were in that area. Drugs was on the rise. My family had just went down because of drugs. So that's why we made it to the Bronx. So there's a lot of Santeria going on on that block, and these happen to be the people who were the drug dealers on that block. And so this is a past life for my mother because my father's currently uh, serving time. And me as a child of the Bronx 80s latchkey kid playing outside, I was exposed to all kinds of things. And one of those things was uh, we would climb and we'd play around in areas. And there was an area I knew I shouldn't have been in because it was behind the house of these drug dealers. And they had, there's a game store on one side. And not to say that they're connected, but they were Cuban as well. The guy's name was Lazaro. So I always saw men with beads around and I saw shrines. And so this one time I climbed behind, I climbed to the roof of where the game store was, right? I took a, the cement uh, staircase up, went to the back, and there was a vase there. I don't know what compelled me, like something drew me to it, but then there was an instinct in me that told me not to touch it. But then I touched it, and my friends were like, they're running around me, but like they kind of are in such the background that I'm not paying mind to them, but you can still hear that they're around, but it's kind of like foggy because I have too much attention on this vase. So I touched the vase, and then I jumped back because I'm scared. I remember having the sensation of being scared and knowing I touched it even though I shouldn't have touched it. And then I started feeling my fingers getting hot and they started burning and I started rubbing them together and I started jumping and then I ran back outside the same direction that I had come from and then ran and then ran to my house. And I was so scared. I'm washing my hands and I don't remember if I told my mom about it, but I was really scared and something in my heart told me it had something to do with the spirituality of like those people, like something in, maybe it was the beads that they wore, something on it resembled something by the shrine thing, but it wasn't a vase, it was like a shrine kind of area with the vase on top. And I knew enough without knowing anything about that, but I knew enough to make that connection. But could it have been the fear is so strong that it made me have the sensation of heat? Or could it have been a warning from some side of spirituality that gave me a little 
consequence to what I was doing in my curiosity. I don't know. You be the judge. That was some spooky shit for me. That was. I was only like eight years old. That was one of them. But yeah, going on spooky shit, another Santeria experience I had in the Bronx too was a lot older. I was going through a bad, like, breakup, no breakup. I was broken up, now I know, but at the time I thought I wasn't, so you can tell that was complicated. I thought I was in a whole relationship, I wasn't. And I'll do a whole other episode on that, but I gotta be careful for situations in the Bronx. Anyway, I'ma leave it at that, respectfully. But I was going through some trouble. Everybody in relationships know that there's trouble. There's always trouble, there's no perfect relationships, uh, whatever. So I'm going through it and it's pressing so hard on me. I'm so stressed, I'm not happy with life. It really got me down and I'm walking through Fordham Road and a lady pops out of nowhere and she looks at me, she goes, come, I have to talk to you real quick. And I'm like, now moments before that, I was on the phone far, far away from where she could have even heard me. And I'm on the phone talking with my boy because I'm telling him I'm going through so much. And I know your mom is involved with that spiritual stuff, but you think maybe you could talk to her because I want to see if there's like something on me. I felt such a heaviness. I was an atheist at the time. I didn't even have a spiritual sense to me. So I'm not one to really at that time gravitate to anything. But at this point, I'm considering some sort of spirituality. And that's my first. So what do I do? I go ahead. I'm on the phone with him. I'm getting closer to this lady. I'm close to hanging up because he's like, yo, if you're sure, I'll talk to my mom about it. But that's like, you know, once you get into that. And I was like, no, I understand. But I'm ending this conversation. And as at some point, as I'm like ending this conversation, this lady's coming up, she's approaching me. She approaches me. She's like, my spirits are telling me to talk to you. Come over here. And I get off my phone and I swoosh over to him and to her. And she's looking at me and she's like, And she starts describing one by one so many things that was in such detail and specifics about what I was going through, what I felt like because of that, what I wanted to do, but this, but that, like everything within like everything that was important to me at that time, one by one. This is with no questions. There was no question. Like, like, it's not like I had like a little interview and she kind of started piecing things together just from rip. She's telling me all this and I'm like. So now I'm scared. So then she tells me, so <clears throat> I can't call it with spirituality, but what I could say is that there's a lot that we don't know. And people who practice things know on their area because they practice it. So a person who don't practice it, you anybody, because in human nature, you can be foul like that, wicked, but anybody can scam somebody. Even if you know the truth, you can know the truth and then say, okay, I'm gonna take them this way. So I kind of think this is what happened with this lady because she tells me, spit in this napkin, right? So I go to spit in the napkin and then she goes, ah, and she starts like screaming. (laughs) And she opens up the napkin and it's like blood or something and some other thing. And she's like, and then there's an egg. I I don't, look, I was scared. I was scared. I'm not crying, guys. I know you can't see me. I'm not, my voice is cracking because I speak raspy, but yeah, I was scared. Because this woman up to this point said all this stuff about me and now she's yeah, like nothing scared you about anything. You know, like you, you should be a G at this, right? You should be like desensitized to like creepy stuff. If, if spirits talk to you and stuff like that, you shouldn't be screaming at something that just happened to me. Something's gotta be wrong. Like does the doctor when they're performing something go, oh shit, if they did, how would you react? You feel me? Like that'll be wild. So. <laughs> So now, so like I'm bugging, and then she's like, we gotta bury it. So I'm thinking to myself, 
That shouldn't be hard. It's like an egg with blood in it. Like, I'm all right with that. Give it to me. I got to go. I'm making moves. Right? And she's telling me something like, we got to buy a coffin. I don't know what coffins cost. I never, that's not something crossing my mind. Like, why am I thinking about buying it? I went from spitting in the paper. First of all, hello, what's your name? <laughs> Yo, it was crazy. Nah, so she's telling me, and then she, now she's telling me how much coffins cost. Now she a coffin salesperson, because she was breaking down how much it cost before the bare minimum, and then we got to bury it. I'm like, yo, this egg is really expensive. <laughs> it's a real expensive bloody egg. Why I got to, or you're going to catch cancer, something like that, and you have this, that, and I'm like, yo. So I'm skeptic because I'm an atheist, and for a split second, I'm, 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 I'm entertaining spirituality, but that split second in me, is now open. I opened the door, so now I got a little fear. I'm a little pet. Because I was just about to open that door moments ago, right? So now I'm a little petrified. Because now I'm making this call, and did I open the door once I placed the call? Like, what happened? That now I'm spitting up. You feel me? So now I was like, aha. Uh -huh. So I'm going to something with my stomach. I'm, a, I'm not even going to eat. So I wasn't eating none because I was scared. <laughs> Yo, I was, I was, this is what, the first time I was contemplating going to church. <laughs> <laughs> but I was trying to G it up. Then my stomach started burning. But I had a drinking problem. I really did. So that wasn't unusual of me. But now I'm like extra sensitive with it. I'm scared. So with all that spookiness, you think about it. They say that the mind is very powerful. Maybe in my mind somewhere I was creating that whole thing inside. Think about it. Or maybe there's like something more. It's a spiritual thing. Was this lady a scammer? Or was she really spiritual? Did she really see something? Is that really the price that you have to pay to have spiritual safety by avoiding that? Is it a death sentence for Kingsbridge Rich? Is he forever cursed? Is this the reason for his unfortunate circumstances as of lately? Answer spooky sound. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that one's a little more wild though, right? Maybe touching the vase is a little kitty. Oh my God, you know, kids get scared and you know, we're playing, I, I, I could have burnt my fingers or something, and now it touching the vase. I do have a little OCD in my fingers. I have to always like wet my fingers, and it's like, you know, it's strange. That could have been the beginning of my extra sensitivity, right? But a lady stopping you and having you, I mean, was this a scam artist, or was this the real thing? But now, here's another strange happening. Once upon a time, I'm on my bed sleeping next to the girlfriend I had at the time. So I wake up from a terrible dream. I'm dreaming that she is cheating on me. And in this dream, right, I wake up somehow, like almost like I'm released, and I'm reaching over now, awake, in the dark, feeling over to kind of shake her and tell her because it was just that intense of a dream. As I'm reaching over, I don't feel her body anywhere. I reach a little more over and now I'm certain she's not there. So I get up because she has to be somewhere. I go to the bathroom. But now I can hear talking, which is unusual. There shouldn't be any talking in the bathroom. So as I'm walking there, I'm getting closer. Instead of opening the door, I wait and I listen. As I'm listening, I'm hearing a breakup occurring. And, as a, and, and, and all I can hear is her saying, no, no, I'm sorry, or something along the lines of like kind of pleading for a relationship that was happening that I didn't even know was happening. And strangely enough, I was dreaming all along of being cheated on. And at that moment, I wake up to share it with her, walk a few steps over and find out at that moment that she was cheating on me. 
And then I got petty as hell and I sold all her clothes. Clothes that I bought though, but I sold all of it. I had dudes coming for cool G outfits, yo, all kinds of stuff. But that was petty me and I learned from it, but that was a long time ago. But more importantly, because we're talking about spooky stories, that's not spooky, I'm psychic. That means that my ancestors put in this, that's Taino power. I haven't even taken one of those ancestry things, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm probably 50% Taino on the low. Who knows? Yo, y'all laughing. I never took the test, so it could be possible because look, I'm having, I'm having supernatural experiences. You feel me? I'm having psychic dreams. It's that my dreams is like, yo, bro, wake up, wake up. It's happening right there, bro, now. It's now. But my dreams are not always pleasant, and that leads me to my next one. Have you guys ever heard of night terrors? So night terrors is what it's called on paper, and it is exactly what it sounds like. It is a night terror, and I've experienced night terrors almost all my life. And so I remember vividly when I was younger, I had these experiences with the dark, and I would get scared of the dark. Had I known what I know now about myself, <clears throat> I would have had an explanation. But I had no explanation. I just had strange, spooky shit occurrences. Through my life as a child, I've had thoughts that I had levitated off my bed. And that would make me tremendously scared. I had times that when my body was compromised and I would like have the flu or have the cold, I would go through this feeling that I was trapped and stuck almost like a heaviness was on me and it was like spiritual. And I would have like an evil presence kind of sense. But it's also a feeling of like suffocation almost. A feeling that you're semi-aware of your surroundings and you can see if someone's next to you, you just can't reach them because you're stuck, you're locked. And so you're like held behind. You can probably twitch at the most. And then if you twitch too much or you try to fight it too much, you kind of go into this reverb kind of thing. And that's what kind of onsets a feeling of seizures or you shake a lot. And then sometimes this thing has been described as being something spiritual, that something is on you. It could be a negativity. But then in the world of science, they would tell you that that could be a misfire with the neurons. And I can't kick it like that to explain it thoroughly. But there's things that are happening inside of you that could be explained by science. And there's things that would happen because of many factors. But some things like the chemist, the, the, just the nature of us when we're sleeping, we can't act out our, our dreams. So there's parts of our brain responsible for keeping us from acting out those dreams. But then what happens when your mind wakes up before your body? And so there's all these processes you have to consider. Or is it spiritual? Or is it spiritual? Because to this day, I didn't know that I had those experiences until I was married. Because I knew those, all those different things I described were different things, but they all became one. One time when I was on Tati's lap, I had my head resting on her lap, and I had a long week, time, whatever, and I took a nap. I just fell out. And so I started shaking a lot, and she realized I was shaking, and that to me was confirmation. I was like, oh, because there were times that I would wake up, but I thought I had a bad dream that I was like catching a seizure. I had a bad dream I was shaking. I had a bad dream a bear hit, bit my head off and that made me shake in the dream and then I wake up. But in reality, that was actually happening, the shaking and she caught it. And I'm so now I'm like asking her, how long was it for? How much did I shake? Was I trying to say something? And, and a lot of times there's a slur occurring. It's like, well, you're trying to talk. So the experience for me, is a lot of confusion because I'm in it and I can't tell what's happening. But imagine the shock, 
the spookiness on that. Like, is this spiritual? You're holding somebody in your hand that looks like what you see in movies as either demon-possessed, if it's an extreme form of it happening. But, like, to witness that is also a spooky experience. Not just for so it's like two for the price of one. So what is this? Is this something coming inside of you? Are you possessed? Is that what happens when we sleep or we dream? Who knows? So yeah, that's definitely an experience. And there's a community of people who deal with the night terrors. And so, yeah, that's one of those things. And finally, guys, the one and only, the super dope story of the Bronx Ouija board. There are skeptics. And like I tell you, I was an atheist, I was a skeptic, and I did not believe in the supernatural like that. I had my little experiences, like I said, as a little kid, but those things weren't enough for me to have that belief. One of the biggest issues was because when my father was passing away and I was opening the Bible, I thought that by reading those Bible verses, it would bring my father back to life. But I saw it didn't, and that was one of the reasons that I, I decided to be atheist. I, I said, if there was ever a time to answer a prayer, be a kid, praying that his father would live, and he's seeing the paramedics trying to revive him in his house. So <clears throat> a lot of our experiences inform how we get down. And so that was just how I got down on my thoughts about religion or whatever going forward. So my friends, we fi we're 15 years old, it's 1996. Vlad's house, as usual, Vlad's house was the hangout spot. And for some reason, there's a Ouija board in the crib. At that point, I didn't know where it came from. I just know, okay, there's a Ouija board on the table. I guess let's do that. You know from movies, you know what type of movies you see, Ouija board, paranormal stuff. That's not stuff you really do in the hood. You know, we don't have that running and trip on a twig and some type of, nah, like, you know, our real scary stories is actual people from our hood. That's why they don't, we don't mix in too well, whatever. Anyway, so we got this Ouija board. I know a little something of it because of like TV or whatever, but we decided to do it the right way. And so there's a few friends together. We do a prayer because that's what you're supposed to do. And we cycle through different ghosts or spirits or whatever you, entities, whatever you want to call it. And so you can tell that they're different. And it's crazy because some of the skepticism that people have is that like if three people are touching the piece, somebody's consciously pushing it. Some people have also said that like because you're holding it, there, there could be something um, subconsciously that's happened amongst each person talk, touching it and that your brains are working in a certain order to like, you know, answer these questions. And so even if you don't really intentionally do it, it has some factor in it. There's all these arguments on it, but in our end, we're doing this and like we would have, like what would explain the difference in the speed of writing between one ghost and the next? What would, what would, what would be the thing to describe the reason why some of them would spell a certain way and like speak a certain way? Like you could see that from the writing. It wasn't just like everything was one second between each letter. Some of them were zipping through fast. And other spirit, we asked to change the spirits. Like, hey, listen, can we talk to someone else? We wanna like, and then there'll be somebody else. And then that one would move slower. Like who would think to take the piece and move that way? But that stood out to me. Oh, that, that stood out to me in my head. One of those things I didn't say out loud, but you know what I mean? But then we took a liking to one of the ghosts. His name was Frank. Spirits, excuse me, whatever, Frank, if you're listening. My fault from calling you the wrong thing. But it was Frank. Sorry, ladies. I don't know. Y'all just gave me a face. I'm not scaring y'all, right? This is the spooky. Y'all knew what y'all was in for when y'all came here into the garage, a.k.a. the studio. So now we get this guy, Frank149146, something like that, right? And... 
and he identifies himself and we're like talking to him and he gave us the like the Theo vibes like you know you could tell he was older because we asked him his age and the year how he passed and he told us he had got shot in the head I think twice and he was from like the South Bronx or whatever and we had other questions that I don't remember those details but we went as far as asking him like so like you know what's the deal like anything we could do for you. He was like, yo, can you call these numbers? And he gives us phone numbers and all of that. One of the numbers that we dial, nobody picks up, right? I think it was disconnected or no one picked up. Then the other one, right? Now this is spooky because it could be anything. And this is what makes things, this is what makes things spooky. When you can't put your finger on it, this is what I hate about spooky. I'm not, I'm not a great adventures rides person. I don't like my stomach twisting. I, I if I sit on the couch, I gotta put my feet up to. I'm on the door. I gotta put my feet up on the couch to watch a scary movie. I don't be with that. So yeah, so, <laughs> so the Ouija board, right? We're doing prayers. We, we're talking. Frank, Frank is here. He asks us to call these numbers. We call the woman. I mean, we call no pickup. The second number, lady picks up. And we're like, hey, we got your number from a relative. He said to call you. His name is Frank. Phone hangs up. But that's the thing. Could she have thought that it was a prank call? Could she have been shocked because that name resonated and it was somebody? And she's like, who are these evil people messing with my feelings? This is not even that long ago and I don't have closure yet. But it gets worse than that because I had friends that would come upstairs and they would mock the board. And that was another thing that I would do because I, before this moment, and things got hotter, because this board started showing off. This board started showing us a, a, a thing or two, little tricks that it had. Because <clears throat> I had a friend that had a fallout with Frank. You know what it's like to, to, to have smoke with a ghost? Things happen. I know that from movies. We all know you shouldn't do this. God rest the dead, and I'm about to get into that. But homie starts giving smoke to the ghost. I don't know where it kicked off. I wasn't there when it happened. I don't know who said what, who offended who. It's a Ouija board for crying out loud. All I hear is that Frank got beef now with heck. And now we're not talking to Frank no more. Frank had been cool up until all this point. I actually got, I got away with things too because the other ghosts I had, I was offending them. I was getting into arguments. Hey, you're rich. You, you're about to be a liability in this thing. You know what I mean? Like, you're doing it wrong because I was provoking the ghosts. I was like, yo, you can't even spell. Yo, you know, I was just like acting stupid for attention, whatever. But I was doing things to like scare the people around me too. Even though I was low-key pet in the inside, I was still doing it like just to be amped had the girls crying and stuff, all kind of things. So that's me on the board, whatever, but Frank was cool. Frank was all right. You know, before, and before Frank was dismissed, Frank, yo, and this is, now this is where things start like getting spooky and you're like, what well, explains that? One of the things that made us feel like, yo, Frank is real is that like when there was a case that we was playing the board, a few of us, and then he would spell a name out and then the door would knock. Or the, out, either the door from the, the room, because this is in Vlad's house, Vlad's room, or the outside door to the hallway. Dun, 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 dun. And then the guy would come in, and it'll be the name on the board. So this could go either way. It could be somebody pushing it just for the skeptics. This is not what I believe, because just the type of people who was there or whatever, my friends, and I'm friends with them till this day. You understand? Like, it's just, it, it wasn't... It, but the skeptic would say, you got, and you got to play devil's advocate. But so let's say it was that. There was one time that it put a name up, right? And when the dude comes in, I'm looking and I'm like, oh, this is Trump. It's not Marl. This thing on the board, Frank had said Marlin. And so I didn't know that Trauma's name was really Marlin. 
So I'm here looking at Trump come through the door and I'm thinking, oh, like Frank maybe had two out of three. That was a good run, you know, give a little credit to the skeptic side. Nah, my man's looking bugging. It's like, cause this was his man from, from his, yeah, he, he pulled him through from school. So we all cool. He's no doubt that was one of the fellas, but he came from somewhere else. He was like an implant, but he came through my man. He was his cosign. So we didn't know his government because you know how it is in the hood. Like unless you went to school with somebody like they did or you got like arrested with somebody, something big happened. You don't or you like, you know, your aunts done, you know, we're all cool with each other. Y'all neighbors close like that. You don't know nobody's like last name. You don't know nobody's government. A lot of times the first name in the Bronx with all the tag names, every first names, Chico's, Chino's and all these. Right. Yo, everybody got a nickname. So Trom is his name. We don't know his government. And my man who knows his government name ain't even touching the board. How you put that together and make it make sense? You see, it don't make sense. And that's what's all crazy about spooky shit. It's made to not make sense to make you go crazy. Insert spooky music. <laughs> but it doesn't stop there. Stop this spooky music. It gets spookier. So we lost Frank. I mean, hey. The world lost him, and now we, this is like a double grieving. Frank has been grieved twice already. He's gone, he's out the picture. Now we back to degenerate ghosts and spirits and stuff, right? I have friends walking a few blocks away. And one of the heated exchanges that happened between Frank and, and, and a friend of mine was that he was, gonna, he was gonna die. But these boards be loose with them, trust me, because they've told me I was gonna pass a certain way. They like to throw that out, they like to get you fearful and this is now a part where i'm gonna respectfully take it and tell the story seriously from this point on because shortly after that a few of my friends were walking there was this little thing looking like an ornament on a certain block that people would feel a little spooky about in the bronx and there were all kind of racist things that were seen on that block there were all type of voodoo type things that were seen in that area hanging from trees and this one instance the same one that had argued with the board had kicked it off and it fell. He had made a mockery of the board and the board had told him that he was gonna die. And I believe a month and a half later, him and two of my other friends were all involved in a triple murder. Passed away in the building. One of my friends got murdered two days later. I mean, he, um, he passed away, he succumbed a couple days later, maybe two, three days later in the hospital. And it's like, it's so soon. And it makes you as kids so scared, so fearful, like, was it the board? We are on a very dangerous neighborhood in the Bronx at a very dangerous time, and we're teenagers out there. Could it be the consequence of the hood? Could it be that there was a parallel? Is this enough to satisfy a story that shows a coincidence or that shows that was definitely another side? Because the story is still not finished yet. Shortly after that, one of the friends that passed away he was dating a friend of mine that was involved in the board. She was, she was, uh, he was dating a friend of mine's sister. And so more spooky stuff started happening because now a friend and her are hanging out and to them at the time, they're seeing candles, they have candles lit and they're asking candles a question. And us friends are outside hanging out and chilling and passing time playing basketball. And my friend approaches me because they've been speaking to these candles for quite a while and telling me that they're getting confirmation through these candles. And then this one day this girl approaches me, one of my friends, and she looks to the side and she gestures to me and she points to the friend next to her. 
And I look at this evilness on her face. Her face is twisted in a certain way, halfway grinning, halfway evil. My friend whispers to me, something's in her. Now Richie, being the empath that he is, because of his trauma, being the people pleaser he is, now he gotta be a demon slayer. Now he gotta perform exorcist at 15 years old. You know what my resume looked like right now? Before I was a pastor, guys, I was a pastor once. That's, they should have put me on rank. I should have went in that church and be, yo, I did an exorcist before, what you've done? Talk to me when you've done exorcist, pastor. What you did? Oh, you was a pastor's son? I did an exorcist at nine five, bro. I was 15, my man. I went to the bodega and I bought Agua de Florida. This is not even a lie. I'm telling you the serious. I swear to everything I love, this is the true story. I'm not even, this is spooky real stories, guys. I went to the store because that's what I knew that that smell. I bought Agua Florida. I came back, I started splashing that joint on like that whoosh, whoosh, in the street. Let me tell you how Bronx dudes ain't shit. I'm performing exorcist on the block. Ain't nobody paying no mind because the basketball game is more attention than this bitch screaming and banging her head on the wall because that's what it look like to people who don't care. But I'm an empath and I care about people. I'm a people's person. I'm your people's choice. Kingsbridge Rich, one love. Lovester, you know what I mean? Like, yo, that's my MO. I live up to it, I care. But like, where do you draw the line in caring? Not this guy. Demons, check, what's good? What we doing? Shook as hell. Because then the demon kept coming back uh, conveniently. Because every other time I saw my friend with her, it was like hit or miss. It's like, okay, we cool, chilling. I'm crossing the street now, like it's the bullet, like Debo's on the block. And I kept running into it. And this shorty would go and splash pump, like puddle water on her face, running in between the street with the cars, ready to hit. Like, I'm like, man, I'm mad responsible over somebody. And I, yo, this is whack, yo. Like, I'm trying, I leave the house because I got problems at home. Now I got problems on these, I'm not even starting trouble with people. I got trouble with demons. Like, for real? The gift that keeps giving. By the way, they had threw the board out at one point and then it came back to the building. Then they did it, like, you know, like in the movies, even how they got to kill the bad guy twice. Like, same thing with the board that happened. This is like true story. Like, and I'll close with this. This is a while later and I cannot tell you how much later it is. I'm walking from Creston to Morris and I see two of my friends, right? There's these two girls. Now, this is a good amount of time later, I know. I just can't tell you how much later. It could be a year. It could be six months. I don't know. A substantial amount of time. And these girls was from the corner building, like on the opposite side of the corner I lived in. I lived on one corner. They lived on the, on the nearer corner to Creston. So I passed that building. There's people all over the block chilling. That's how it was. Everybody's posted up outside, right? And Shorty's like, yo, what's good, Rich? And I'm like, what's good? And they're like, yo, we playing Ouija board in the building. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm good. Nah, it's real. I'm like, trust me, I know it's real. Trust me, I know it's real. Like that. I don't know what possessed me to ask, but I asked this question. I was like, yo, I was good. I Like, my night was all right. I'm happy-go-lucky on my way home. I'm probably, I, I done put that behind me. I'm not, I'm not exercising demons no more. Like, yo, that's old. I've been done that, bro. I'm not even doing that no more. I should have had no worries that night, but I wanted to open my mouth because I don't know what. ADHD, curiosity, henny, I don't know what got into me. So I ask, I'm like, yo, by the way, who are you speaking to on the board? And you know what she tells me? Frank. 
That's a lot of twists and turns to be normal. That's a whole lot of twists and turns. At one point I turned, and this is this is because I, I never could tell the story in one way. There was one day that my brother and I were holding on to that board, just us two, and we was talking. I think at this point we were still talking to Frank, and he was like, I was asking questions about my father. He says, you want to talk to him? He's right here. Same way you looked at each other, my brother and I raised our heads up, looked at each other, shocked. And like in agreement with eye contact, we nodded and then we say, yeah. And then there's a pause on the board and then there's movement as if we're feeling the force of my father moving these pieces over. We're not skeptics anymore. At this point, we believe it. So the, the, the feeling, because at this point, this is probably only three years after my father passed away. It's not that long after, two to three years after. So the hurt is still there. The hurt is high. And we've seen what this board could do. And this board is moving us across. It goes to a T, it goes to an I, it goes to a G. And my brother and I both start crying at that point because it was spelling Tigueron Webon, which was the nickname that my father would call my brother and I. And there's nobody else holding the board but my brother and I. And I know he's a liar, but was he lying that day? Because he's a liar, don't get me wrong. But was that a spirit or was it a lie? Insert spooky music. <laughs> but nah, that's a crazy story and so crazy that I've connected with two writers through TikTok. This video and this story, which originated in the Bronx on Creston Avenue on 197th Street, has gotten 5 million views on TikTok, thousands upon thousands of shares, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of comments. And one of the greatest comments that I gotten was, yo, I like the way you tell stories. Yo, you're a good storyteller. And it was one of the catalysts to me getting this podcast in the first place. And I got two dope connections that I could speak on because it's now that we have two writers that we've connected with. They connected with the story. They said, hey, along with many people, we would love to see this as a series. We would love to see this. I would see this on Netflix. I would watch that. People played around with the idea of what to name it. And so we went as far as being interviewed. And we met with these writers and these writers are working up scripts and there's things happening right now with with strikes and now is a great time i hear to write a story and so you don't know we might see something but something's definitely cooking and i thank you guys for your support and i just appreciate all the support that you've guys had thus far check out all my socials binge watch again on all my stuff binge listen rather i appreciate all the support you guys have a great night. Stay out of trouble. <laughs>